raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with your hosts, John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Here we focus on helping men and those with men in their lives solve some of life's complex challenges through understanding the practices of mindfulness and how they can help. Each episode is in an environment free of judgment and criticism with a focus on authenticity and inner peace. Let's dig in. Welcome. Welcome to a brand new episode of Men Talking Mindfulness, the podcast where we dive into important conversations around male well-being in today's complex world. I'm John McCaskill, one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my brother from another mother, my co-host in New York City, <laughs> Will Schneider. And today we're sitting down with Colin Bai. Colin Bai is from Washington, D.C., and he is the visionary founder of Man Sending, a movement dedicated to helping young men form meaningful connections in a world that often leaves them feeling misunderstood and isolated. We're going to delve into the alarming statistics that two-thirds of young men in the U.S. aged 18 to 23 feel that no one really knows them well. Colin's journey towards fostering meaningful relationships is a story of personal growth and transformation. His struggles during his youth and the sense of belonging he found in a college fraternity led him to the realization of the essential role community plays in one's life. And we've talked about that on the show before, but we're going to be talking about it more here with Colin. But it's not just for well-being, but for success too. We'll hear how these experiences shaped his mission with man sending and his personal dedication to mastering the art of meaningful connections. We will also be unpacking the role of mindfulness, a core aspect of Man Sending's mission, which of course is also a core aspect of our mission here with Men Talking Mindfulness, in creating a judgment-free space for men to express their truths. Colin's vision is not just about fostering personal growth, but about equipping men to powerfully and sustainably contribute to society despite the unique challenges they faced in these modern times. Get ready for an enlightening and inspiring conversation as we delve into the world of man-sending, explore the practices of mindfulness and meditation, and learn about the guest, the quest, sorry. But we are also going to be learning about the The quest from the guest. (laughs) (laughs) To, To form a worldwide brotherhood of calm, competent, and compassionate men. Whether you're a man navigating this complex world or someone invested in male well-being, which should be everyone, this episode promises to offer a wealth of insights. So sit back, tune in, and let's start talking (laughs) mindfulness. But before we do that, I got to turn it over to Will, my brother from another mother. Awesome. (laughs) Well, uh, awesome. Good to have you here, Colin. Uh, So we're going to have our merch store up very soon. Excited to get uh, some merch on more people's bodies out there. So be on the lookout for that announcement coming soon. Hey, also, we're going to start we're going to uh, start doing episodes where we answer your questions. Uh, your questions in the form of voice memo that will be played right here live on the show. If you'd like to send us a voice memo uh, to be played and answered on the show, simply text MTM to 33777. Once again, that's 33777. And you'll get the link to record a voice, a voice memo. If you don't uh, want to text, uh, just visit, what's it, sayhi.chat slash MTM. Again, that's sayhi.chat uh, slash MTM. Uh, 
the same thing. You simply record your memo here. Super excited to have you guys' voices on the show. Um, so mind your manners when you're leaving us a message. <laughs> Remember, it's raw, uncut, and unapologetic. So uh, you're going to put yourself out there. And lastly, hey, subscribe to our IG uh, at mentalkingmindfulness.com. That's on Instagram. And also we're over at Men Talking Mindfulness on YouTube. And make sure on YouTube you hit the little uh, bell to notif- no- for notification for new content that we're constantly putting out there. And uh, thank you, Colin, for boxing that out. Uh, we actually hired an editor to help us cut the show. Right, we're doing snippets. Like there's uh, Colin over there miming for it. So, hey, so check us out on uh, YouTube.com slash at Men Talking Mindfulness. And, uh, John, I'm going to get um, us in my ears. So why okay. don't you do the five grounding practice? Yeah. And uh, right. then we're going to jump in and we're going to talk to our guests. So we're going to do good that. Good to have everyone right, here. So- as I was saying before we hit go live, this uh, grounding practice that we start the show with and we end the show with is just as much for myself and Will as it is for our guests and our audience. So let's uh, let's ground ourselves before we get into these questions with Colin that we're so excited to ask you. So go ahead and get comfortable. Again, whatever that looks like and feels like for you. Comfortable and safe physically and psychologically. Let's just bring our attention to our breaths. Noticing the rise and fall of our chest and our belly as we inhale and exhale. Nice deep breath in, filling all the way up from the bottom to the top. Hold and release. Holding empty at the bottom. Deep breath in. Hold. And release. Noticing the sensations as you exhale. Holding empty at the bottom. Noticing that emptiness, that feeling, that desire to breathe in and breathe in. Going all the way up. Hold at the top and release. Feeling that emptiness at the bottom again and holding just for a second and last deep breath in. All the way up. An extra sip at the top. Hold and release. And as you release, Go ahead and start to bring some movement back into your body, your neck, your shoulders, your fingers, your toes, those micro movements that we've talked about on the show before. And let's go ahead and jump right in. So, Colin, (laughs) I love your enthusiasm, brother. I love it, man. So um, I was checking out your website before we jumped on here. And and I I mean, I I just want to start with some of the questions that are on your website right there. Right. So um, what is man sending one? Why is it needed? And how does man sending help? Let's talk about that to start. <laughs> yeah, let's just jump right in. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so game. Uh, so first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Pleasure, man. i forward to this for a long time. Uh, yeah, and I'll, let's, let's do it. Uh, so man sending is a company I started um, with the support of my partner at the time, who is now my wife. Um, But it is essentially my effort and uh, desire to bring about a new 
era of brotherhood. Um, long story short, and you know, maybe we don't have to make it so short, but I, uh, you know, I, I mean, really it started when Tiger and I were sipping coffee in New York city where I was living at the time. And this was at a time when the Me Too movement was really taken off um, and a lot of questioning of like, what does it mean to be a man today? And this is something that I've been thinking about for a really long time. Uh, to be totally honest, I hit puberty really late. And so when I was in high school, uh, you know, all the guys around me were getting taller, their voices were dropping, <laughs> other changes were happening. Uh, and I was, I was kind of a, a little behind. And so even back then, I was like, well, you know, what does it mean to be a man, to feel like a, a man? Um, is it just these physical changes or is it something else? And then I got into college, which was uh, an entirely new ball game. Um, and I joined a fraternity while I was there. And I joined a fraternity because a lot of the guys that I loved hanging out with were in a fraternity. And also it comes with a lot of benefits in terms of having a community of support, having a place where you kind of belong, where you can consistently go and hang out and feel like you're welcome there. Um, and also other opportunities to connect with other groups on campus. Um, a lot of fraternities, almost all of them have a big service component. So there is a sense of giving back to the community. Uh, and overall, you know, every chapter and every fraternity is going to be different. Even within the same fraternity, every chapter is different in different schools. Um, but it was a very positive experience. However, uh, there are, of course, challenges that show up. Um, and a lot of them are in the news and are usually the stuff that is most reported. Uh, a lot of incidents around hazing, alcohol abuse, um, even sexual violence and creating spaces where that's possible on campus. Uh, and so I knew that when I was joining a fraternity, like, you know, this is a mixed bag. Um, but I also knew that I felt very welcomed by the guys around me. I knew that we have values that are at the core of our fraternity that are really noble, I thought, and virtuous. And so I wanted to see what that experience is like. Um, and so some of my best friends today are from my fraternity experience. Uh, and going back to that coffee shop in New York City, I remember sitting with Tiger while all of this stuff was going on. Um, and I felt a sense of shame around being a man in this environment and also a couple of questions around like, yeah, I, I think it's great that there is a level of accountability finally being brought to the behavior of individuals, but I also didn't see any opportunity for redemption or any path for growth or change. And, you know, this is part of the society we live in today where people are very reactive um, and there is a sense of, uh, I mean, polarization is on the rise. Uh, and I was, I kept thinking back to my fraternity experience being like, you know, a, I wish I was still connected with the guys and more of them than I am now. And B, you know, it was kind of a missed opportunity for me because you have these spaces all over the country where young guys are getting together. There's these values at the heart of the fraternity that are very positive. I mean, my own fraternity is excellence, morality, service, mm. friendship, knowledge. Like these are amazing, beautiful things to integrate into a young man's life. 
And yet, there is a feeling of disconnection and isolation that is happening with young men and, and in general, all over the country. And so it's this difference that I, this gap really of having these opportunities, these spaces for real connection, but that not being necessarily the outcome. Mm. And so I went on a journey uh, after graduating to really figure out like what does it mean to have a community, to be part of a community? What does it mean to belong, especially as a man in a society where we are renegotiating the contract that has been in place for hundreds and hundreds of years, um, at least here in the West. So these are all different thoughts that came to me. And funny enough, Manstanding initially started as a clothing company. No way. Because yeah, we were in a, we were in a CVS checking out and, uh, and I think Tiger saw a like people magazine with uh, Oprah on the front with a big pink, like long shirt on that said share. Um, and she was like, why don't we make clothing that has messages on it that kind of push back against a lot of the more restrictive ideas of what it means to be a man today. And I was like, great, let's jump into that. And it did not take very long for either of us to realize we have very little experience in fashion design and clothing creation. And also, you know, thinking from a more strategic perspective, maybe that's not the most effective way to get guys to think differently, not just about the world, but about themselves and about each other. Um, and so one thing led to the next. And uh, yeah, I was living in New York City, which if you have not been there I know you live there. Uh, it, uh, there's a lot going on all the time. And it's very easy to just go, 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 go. Like that's the pace of things. And so I got sucked right into that. I actually, my background's in acting. So that's where all the miming came from. Uh, there you go. We'll, we'll and, uh, a little background in that too. Yeah. So if you, you know, never said theatrics, that's probably <laughs> why. Uh, hopefully nothing, you know, show ending, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was auditioning, I was working, you know, actually waiting tables at the time at a couple of different restaurants. And, um, when I moved to New York, the first thing I did was I called up an acting studio that I had done work with before. And I said, listen, I want to be involved in some kind of service opportunity. Like I want to be of service. I want to give the skills that I have. And uh, I didn't really know what was coming for me, but I had a very short, very intense conversation with the head of outreach, um, an amazing woman named Susie. And, um, and she basically interviewed me. And the next month I was assigned to bring acting classes and improv classes to communities on Rikers Island. So in a oh, wow. detention center, <laughs> yeah, in a jail. Um, and as part of that also with the outreach program, I was uh, bringing improv classes, basic communication exercises to folks in uh, rehabilitation centers, uh, in schools that um, were underfunded and underserved. Um, and it was very eye-opening. Uh, especially in the sense where I was working with people whom society had largely, at least psychologically, kind of discarded. 
in the sense of putting them on the outside um, and making it difficult to reintegrate, to come back in, to rebuild connections and real relationships. And, uh, and so I was doing all these different programs, but something else that totally changed my life in this time and kind of laid the foundation for the work that I do with Mansending is we invited anybody who did any of the programs from our outreach. So people who were in jail, people who were recovering from addiction, um, even just acting students uh, from the studio. And we said, listen, every Sunday we have a four hour class production studio, basically. It's its own acting studio. You come in, we do some exercises, you create some scenes, um, you write some scripts, we cobble them together and figure out how to create like a overall arc or narrative around it all. And then we perform it. And we go to facilities around the five boroughs of New York, um, including in detention centers. And we create opportunities to literally share our stories and uplift voices of people who have not had that experience and have been told repeatedly that your voice doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and so every Sunday I was going to the Stella Adler studio on 27th street, uh, and was working with a group of people who could not have been more diverse and different. I mean, from all walks of life, uh, including myself. Um, and I got to witness really like magic because over the course of those four hours, we took a group of people who had very little in common. And by the end of it, we were a unit. We were an ensemble, a group of people working towards a common goal. Um, and, you know, part of that approach was creating a space where people could take risks without being judged for them, where people could make choices, bold choices, and have those be celebrated. Um, and so I did this for a couple of years. And in addition to the acting work I was doing, to the uh, you know work that was actually paying my bills, <laughs> it built up and I was giving, 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 and I was not giving enough to myself and I had a brutal crash. Uh, I won't go into too much details, but it was, yeah, pretty ugly. Uh, and you know, I was feeling so overwhelmed and helpless, which is not a fun experience, not a very pleasant thing to happen. And I realized that, you know, if I actually want to make a difference, I need to start with myself. I need to learn how to contribute sustainably. Um, and I did not know how to do that. So with the support of Tiger, my partner, uh, we basically decided to make a huge shift and to focus entirely on learning and mastering the art of self empowerment. Um, some people might call it self care, but to me, it is more than that because it's an investment in not just my own energy and ability, but in my ability to support and empower others around me. And so launched into a yoga teacher training, became certified, um, and started to put together some of the amazing lessons that we were learning in this yoga teacher training uh, at Kripalu, which is in Western Mass. It's an amazing center. You get so many different teachers coming in. 
And, uh, and I remember sitting in this room with like, I don't know, 20 mostly older white women who were also taking the, you know, taking the course with us. Um, and we were, we were very close as a cohort. Uh, and I just kept hearing the same thing over and over again, which was, I wish I learned this earlier. And these, mm. and you know, this is in response to simple breathing techniques, mindfulness techniques, how to move and care for the body in a way that avoids injury and increases strength and flexibility. And I'm, I mean, I was, I don't know, 23, 24 sitting there and I was like, shit, I wish I learned this earlier. Um, and, uh, and so that was like the spark. It was like, okay, if I want to support other young guys um, and honestly support myself to show up powerfully, these are the techniques that we need to be learning. Like these mm. are the, uh, the kinds of communities that we need to stay consistent because that's another thing I'm sure you guys know with meditation and mindfulness and really any practice, it is a practice, right? It's not like a surgery. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go do a, you know, two week silent meditation retreat and, you know, not speak to anybody and I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm mindful now, you know, like it's okay. That was, well, that was fun. Now back to just everything the way it was. Um, you yeah. that, you know, that's not how it works. Um, and so all that to say, man, sending is an opportunity and to empower groups of men and individual men with the tools to regulate themselves, to center themselves, to empower themselves with more energy, more focus, um, so that they can be of greater service to others. Um, and specifically, I'm working with fraternities, A, because of what I mentioned already. Like, mm. I had a very positive experience in fraternities. I know they get a bad rep for you know single, isolated, and very tragic incidents. And that's actually what motivated me to really dive into fraternities is because the idea for me of having a brotherhood, a group of guys who have your back, are there to support you, to guide you, um, to challenge you productively, and to enter a space like that, and through just a lack of thinking um, and a lack of awareness, have something like alcohol poisoning happening or some form of other abuse that leads to a kid ending up in the hospital or even you know dying. That to me is a deep violation of what what we need and what men need. Um, and you know, there's a whole history behind where these practices come, like where hazing kind of originates, um, or you know, where it was reinforced and how we're managing it uh, as a community of national fraternities and partners. Um, so that's you know maybe a separate question, but yeah, like that's what makes me angry. Um, and that's what drives my fire to make sure that in every single fraternity chapter in the United States and internationally, you have a brother or two who are trained and prepared to support their brothers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're looking at a huge 
lack of mental health professionals, in particular male mental health professionals, in particular male mental health professionals of color. Like it's very, very difficult to find mm. older guys who can serve as role models and stewards of these spaces for boys, mm. right? Um, and um, and so my solution to this is okay. I can't, you know, I can't train, you know, uh, counselors and therapists across the countries, or you know, make anybody do anything. But what I can do is empower the guys who are already in those spaces to show up for their brothers with compassion and also to challenge them to grow. Um, and, uh, you know, this is something that I say to a lot of the guys I work with. The difference between a friend and a brother, in my eyes, is that a friend helps you feel better. A brother helps you become better. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's part of the agreement. So yeah, that's what I do. I can go into like how I do it, but I know I just kind of yeah. got along for a well, little bit. So <laughs> I'll uh, take no, a pause. And no, I would love to it. talk to you a little bit about, uh, you know, thank you for saying that. And I was going to ask you about, you know, what does it mean? What does it mean to be brothers or what does brotherhood mean? So thanks for clearing that up or not in clearing it up. Just really, I love how you stated that, um, becoming better is brotherhood helpings. Uh, so why don't you go, why don't we go into the curriculum a little bit as far of man sending? Cause I'm really interested in, in, in how you're teaching these, your students, uh, and let's go from the inside. So what, what, what are they doing? Uh, what are you teaching them like individually? Like what individual practices are you teaching them as well as, uh, I love the connection piece you talked about because that's where you really begin to grow is, is in the company of other people, especially if you're in other company of other men, you can really grow depending on the type of community and, and the criteria in which you create that community or the container we talked about earlier. Uh, so why don't you dive into um, the individual practices and please, like, how do you connect them as a community and what you've seen the results be? Yeah. So one thing that I see a lot of especially in an age where we just have so much information and resources and toolkits and articles and a nonstop feed of people telling you how to live your life. Uh, uh, you know, that's exhausting to navigate. Uh, right. And so when I am working on curriculum development or when I'm delivering our products, our trainings and our workshops, it is my goal not to, tell about you know these practices because it's just not effective to give somebody a bunch of writing or to give somebody a presentation and say look this thing will change your life you just gotta do it instead uh i provide an experience of self-regulation awesome and one of the greatest tools all of us have uh to change our state not just mentally, but physiologically change the chemistry of our body so that we can show up better is our breath. Um, so I really appreciated doing some breathing, uh, during our <laughs> grounding today. Uh, and so essentially, you know, the, like I said, we're in an, a lot of the young guys I work with are in an environment that's just so full of stuff and information mm. that my approach is basically say, this is going to sound weird. It's going to feel a little weird, 
just do it and see how you feel. And I take them through a couple of different breathing patterns. Some of them are upregulating, um, so short, sharp inhalations, exhalations to really get the blood pumping, to move our nervous system into the fight or flight, into you know a sense of stress, to have the adrenals releasing you know adrenaline and cortisol, uh, and to amp these guys up. And you know we take a moment and we say, okay. How, you know, how are we feeling? Any shifts and changes? Anybody feel different? And we say, okay, let's turn it the other way. And then I guide breathing exercises to just go the opposite direction as effectively as possible. Uh, a lot of that is based on the work of Patrick McEwen and the Oxygen Advantage, um, which is just incredible and has blown my mind in terms of what's possible with the breath. Uh, it involves breath holds on the exhale, so like you were doing. Um, and slow, smooth, easy breathing, essentially slowing the breath down, relaxing intentionally the body and bringing our attention back to anything in the present moment. Um, and that can be the body that can be the sounds we're hearing that can be looking at something that can be, um, you know, the movement of the breath or even feeling the heartbeat. And so basically I take. I teach something I call a centering practice, um, which, you know, I take these guys on a journey with the breath for them to see what's possible. And then I say, so here's the practice. Um, and you know, this isn't the practice. This is a practice. Uh, and it provides the foundation for any number of other activities or practices that they can do to support their own energy levels. Um, so that's like my bread and butter training is teaching guys the power of teaching them their own power to change how they feel and giving them a very clear, simple exercise that they can do every morning or you know, as often as they remember to center themselves. Um, and I'd be happy to share the practice at the end if, uh, you know, if yeah, you will. Yeah, that'd be great. I sure. appreciate that. Um, so that is like the resilience aspect of this. This is just, like I said, the bread and butter technique. Um, because when I went on this whole, I mean, it felt like a build your own grad program. I mean, I was reading books and taking courses yeah. and practicing different coaching techniques. All, you know, with the question of how do I navigate a really complicated world very unpleasant and difficult sensations, situations, relationships. How do I make my way through that as easily as possible? Yeah. Um, and uh, that I, I very quickly realized before I can do anything else, before I can set the goals and, you know, organize my calendar and make the to-do list and put in the, you know, journaling practices and the gratitude and, you know, all of these different things that are kind of, I look at them as like tools that we can put in the toolbox. I needed awareness. I needed to notice that something wasn't working and not just notice it, but also in some ways embrace it. Um, and that's really hard because often when we notice something that isn't working, we either try to fix it immediately or we ignore it. Um, 
and say, oh, well, you know, it's, it'll sort itself out. It's fine. Um, and, you know, that to me just wasn't working. And I experienced that firsthand in New York where I was, you know, just giving my energy away, away, away. And I was like, God, I'm tired all the time. Um, I don't know how to use the time I have. Like, I feel kind of disorganized. Um, I don't, I'm not very focused in that sense. And I tried a lot of different stuff, you know, different books on how to get your shit together and, you know, figure out life and, you know, make good choices. Um, but it wasn't until I started really practicing mindfulness that I created a different kind of relationship to all of the hard shit in my life. Mm-hmm. And it immediately created a sense of space. Um, and it's this space, this feeling of, okay, I have a lot going on. I feel super scattered. I feel kind of anxious. Uh, you know, I have a million things on my mind. Can I just step back and accept that this happens to be true for me right now? And ironically, the moment that I can acknowledge, like, this is just how I am in this moment, I can start to work with all of that stuff. Um, and so this is why I teach the centering practice as, you know, it's just a one hour training, giving an experience for guys to understand the power of these practices and then also to set them up with it as a practice um, rather than. I did this workshop and now I'm done. Um, You know, we can talk about this too. Like the language is so important that we use, especially when working with people who might not be as familiar or kind of already predisposed against certain ideas. Sure. Um, And so I kind of describe it as like, listen, guys, in this hour, I'm going to write you a check for a hundred dollars. And I'm going to give it to each of you. But unless you cash it in every day, it's not going to be worth anything. Like you need to take it and go and do something with it. You know, the check itself is just a little piece of paper with some information on it. You know, you need to actually cash it in. And that's the practice. Um, That's great. So, yeah, that's like one of the pieces, this self-regulation, this foundation, because, you know, the other thing that I do is a workshop, which is more involved. Um, and this is where, in my opinion, like the real magic happens, which is how do we create authentic connections in a space where guys can come together and just be real with each other. Um, it's important. And it's, and it's really hard to do that if you aren't able to calm yourself down. Yeah, to, you got to first relax. To mm-hmm. feel fear and to be okay with feeling fear. Um, yeah, so that's the center practice. Yeah, I love that, man. And, and I think, you know, in addition to um feeling grounded one of the things that you have to do prior to feeling grounded is being vulnerable um and you know so many of the times when men get together 
we walk in there with this fake mask on or maybe a uh, set of armor on and we present this false bravado and it's hard for us to get grounded if we don't set that armor or that shield or that mask down first yeah put that down leave your ego your sense of pride and all that stuff at the door you know how they say at the gym right leave your ego at the door um, so many people get injured in the gym by not leaving their ego at the door. Well, the same thing. So many people don't get enough out of time spent with a brotherhood because they've got their ego with them. And if they can check that ego, then they can get better grounded. One of the things that I struggled with when I first got into this was that very thing, my ego. I mean, I was in one of the biggest fraternities in the in the world was the, the military. And then, you know, narrow that down into the SEAL teams even more. That is a brotherhood. Um and I love that brotherhood. I, I very much miss it. But there's also that bravado. Um, and when a counselor recommended mindfulness and meditation to me, I laughed in his face. I was like, what are you talking about this hippy dippy woo woo stuff for? I've got, some, I've got some serious like mental issues going on. I need to I need to address them. And he sold it to me as as performance. And that kind of appealed to my ego. But when, once I got past the performance, and I allowed myself to put that ego down, then I allowed myself to access some of the greater mm. benefits of mindfulness and meditation. Yes, there were performance enhancement, but there's also the compassion that we spoke about on the show, that we've spoken about on the show, yeah. the connection at a much deeper level with other people around me, brothers and sisters alike. And I, I tell you, it is game changing when you can put that armor down, take off that mask, drop your shield, Start practicing with some consistency and see the growth that happens in your mind, your body, your soul, and your heart. It's uh, it's incredible. So I love what it is you're doing, brother. Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, so, you know, we mentioned in the beginning, like there's like two thirds of young men, you know, aged like 18 to 23 or, you know, they feel misunderstood or unknown, you know? So what, what do you, where do you think from your experience working with this population, like what is the, where do you think that's coming from or, or what are you hearing in, in, with these younger men with this misunderstood, you mentioned shame earlier in your own experience of like, oh my God. So can you, can you just kind of elaborate a little bit more as far as you know, what the struggles of, of young men are having right now in this, and this being misunderstood. Love to learn about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to start just with the big picture. Uh, and this is a conversation that I think is getting bigger and bigger every day. Uh, Richard Reeves just published a kind of groundbreaking book around his research with boys and men. Um, and, you know, from my experience and perspective, we're at such an interesting time to be a man because for, at least here, once again, in our cultural context in the United States and in the West, um, men have played a particular role for thousands of years, um, often a role of protector, of leader, um, and I mean, we needed protectors for many, many, many years and, you know, in every single community because every community was at danger um, of, from nature, but also from other communities, right? Um, and so, you know, we have this tradition of and ideas around masculinity and, you know, all the stories we tell about heroes um, and, our, you know, the honor code that they have of being able to step up and, 
you know, fight for what you believe in uh, and fight to protect the people at home and, uh, and your property. And, you know, unfortunately, at some point, the people at home and the property kind of got <laughs> overlapped. And so, you know, there's definitely challenges um, with that kind of thinking. And in the last, I mean, 50 to 100 years, we have seen huge social upheaval, the changing of roles, um, a very welcome conversation around, you know, how do we expand the roles that women play in society um, and understand the different value that they can provide um, for themselves and each other and the opportunities that need to be available to everybody, not just, you know, a group with a particular identity. Um, and so we've seen a conversation around renegotiating what a woman's place in society is in the United States over the last 100 years. And the challenge is we've been talking about this. And, you know, I mean, feminism has had multiple different stages of, you know, suffrage where women finally had the ability to represent themselves uh, and vote in the early 20th century. Uh, and then, you know, kind of second wave feminism where women were taking on more masculine roles, you know, kind of adopting masculine traits so that they could also be power players in companies and, you know, have a career and be career driven. Um, and, you know, that's continued to evolve. But what we have not been talking about is, okay, if the roles that women play are expanding, so they don't just have to be nurturers and, you know, homebodies and, you know, perform domestic duties and, uh, Know, support the family that way. We haven't been talking about the need for men's role to expand as well, to not just be the provider or the breadwinner or the protector, but to also have, you know, an opportunity to nurture um, and an opportunity to uh, support their families. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to go into the conversation around well, biologically, da, 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 you know, it's, it's, well, we can get into that, you know, yeah, yeah, think, uh, at some point, maybe have you back on the show. We've actually had an episode on that in uh, our testosterone episode quite a while back, but I uh, definitely want to have you back on. I hate to cut you short, Colin, but unfortunately I do have to drop because the yeah. man, the, the time goes so fast when you, when you get into talking and uh, for my, for our audience, unfortunately I do have to drop a little early today. So this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than our typical episodes, but that said, Colin, I'm going to have you back, man. I, I think there's a we lot will. to, to unpack here, man. Definitely. A lot more. To, uh, we have a whole list of questions that we didn't even touch on, but mm -hmm. you've been a fantastic guest. You know, one of the things that Will and I, want our guests to do is speak <laughs> not, yeah. not for us to talk the whole time and you've done a fantastic job explaining what man sending is where it came from and the drive for it what's uh what's motivating you to do what it is you do so it's fantastic that said like we said at the beginning of the show we like to bookend this with a practice front and back and i want to give you a second here in a second to lead us through that practice but for for our listeners you know ways for them to find you what's the best way for them to find you and then find out more about man sending and then uh, and then take it away with that practice brother thank you uh yeah you can follow man sending on instagram provide lots of tools and meditations to help be more mindful uh and head to our website mansending.work because like i said it is a practice it there requires effort love it um 
And then for our centering, since we've only got a couple seconds, uh, <laughs> I split it into centering the body, centering the breath, and centering the brain. So Excellent. sit upright, find the middle of your pelvis, stack your hips above your, or your shoulders above your hips, and your ears above your shoulders. Once your body is centered, feel your feet on the floor. Take a full, deep inhalation in through the nose and a full, easy exhalation out through the mouth. And just hold empty and wait until you feel that impulse to breathe in. We are a society of over-breathers. We waste a lot of energy just breathing too much. And when you feel that impulse, slowly and evenly breathe in and out through the nose. The ideal rate of respiration to enhance your oxygen levels is five seconds in, five seconds out. It feels really slow. And once you've done that, we center the brain just by bringing our attention to our body. You can do a body scan or just notice a particular sensation like your feet on the floor or the position of your arms and ask yourself, what is present? Where can I relax? And what intention do I want to bring? to the next few minutes, few hours, and the rest of my day. And then let that go. Step into the rest of your day, keep part of your attention inward, part of your attention outward, so we can recognize and self-regulate when we have experiences to bring us back to center. Because from the center, you can move in any direction. It is a place of power. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. That's the abridged version. <laughs> I'm sure. And again, apologies for, uh, great for the abridged episode. But thank you so much for everything that you've shared today with us. I uh, really appreciate it again, what it is you're doing. And for our audience, thanks for joining us today. Um, we, again, appreciate you. We sincerely appreciate you tuning in, whether it's live or whether it's in the recording afterwards on YouTube or elsewhere. Um, and if you got something out of this episode, please share it with your family, your friends, whoever else you think got something or could get something out of this. Please give us a review, subscribe on podcasts and YouTube and all that other happy stuff. Until next time. <laughs> Until next Thanks, time. everybody. Thank you, Colin. We'll see you again, everybody. Thank you so much. Take Thank care. you for joining us today. We hope you walk away with some new tools and insights to guide you on your life journey. New episodes are being published every week, so please join us again for some meaningful discussion. For more information, please check out mentalkingmindfulness.com. 